Hi, I'm Monica Ortiz, and you're watching the Masters of Mindfulness series. On this show, I will be talking to doctors and different health and healing practitioners, discussing the different routes of healing, how your body heals, steps that you take to get the healing you need, and the problems with superficial healing. On occasion, I will be talking to athletes, nutritionists, yoga teachers, meditation practitioners, people just like you who have figured it out or are still trying to figure it out. I want to bring you as much knowledge as I can so that you can enrich your life, be healthy, and stay healthy, mind, body, and spirit. That being said, today's guest is Fat Tony. Fat Tony is 34 and lives in Long Beach, California. He's a self-employed content creator focusing mostly on photography and video production for content marketing. So, welcome to the show, Fat Tony. Thank you for having me. I have a curious, curious question. Why Fat Tony? I knew that was going to be the first question. Um, so, my real name is Adam Christopher Taylor. Okay. Uh, when I was 15 years old, uh, I was a BMX rider and my friends just kind of grew up looking at magazines of BMX riders and watching videos and all the guys they looked up to had nicknames. Like it was super common in BMX to have nicknames. Okay. And uh, they thought it'd be funny to give this dorky white kid with a very <laughs> white boy name a tough mafia name. So they thought Fat Tony was funny because it was the exact opposite of what I was. And, right. And uh, that was been more than half my life. And so yeah, everybody just calls me fat. Yeah, that's awesome because you are not... <laughs> Fat at all. There's right. like no fat on you. And actually, we have some photos of you in peak physical condition. So thank you. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing what you've done with your body. Um, and that being said, you're actually a vegan. That is correct. So yeah. what made you become a vegan? Um, short answer is documentaries. Um, okay. So I'll elaborate a little bit more. I was uh, packing up for a trip to Australia and there was a guy on Facebook that posted a link to a video. Okay. Um, I wanted to connect with this guy because he was like kind of a, a high-level business guy and I had connected with him before and I wanted another reason to just reach out and talk to him and I was like okay if I watch this video it'll give me something to chat with him about mm -hmm. you know. Didn't know what the video was, clicked on it and it was like an hour-long video called the best speech you'll ever hear. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, Gary Yurofsky is the guy's name. And he was giving a lecture to a college classroom all about veganism and a plant-based lifestyle. Wow. And it really just was like, whoa, I've never thought of things like that before. Um, so I kind of watched that in the background while I was packing up for this trip. And I was like, well, I got a long flight ahead of me. Let me download some other videos. And another okay. guy I had remembered months before had recommended a video called Forks Over Knives. And he didn't say like, oh, this video turned me vegan. Like, oh, you should watch it for that. It was just this thing where he, I was like, hey, how have you been doing? He's like, great, man. I changed the way I've been eating. My wife and I have, you know, just kind of adopted this new lifestyle. We're doing incredible. We've lost weight. We feel, you know, it just went on and on. And right. so by him talking about how impactful this video was on his life, it made me want to watch that, that video. But it had been months and I was like, this is a perfect time to watch it because I've got, you know, a really long flight ahead of me. Right. So I downloaded Forks Over Knives and then uh, watched it on my flight to Australia. So during this flight, they came around and offered, you know, chicken or beef as, as your meal. Mm. And at that point, I said, neither. Um, I mean, mid-flight. Like yeah, just like that. Mid-flight, I, I decided I'm done with it. Um, I'm going cold turkey, and my life changed at that point. So uh, I got off the plane and immediately started my transition to a, a plant-based, you know, vegan lifestyle. So I was in Australia for four weeks. Uh, okay. Flew straight to New Zealand for a week, straight from there to Canada for a week. So the first six weeks of transitioning to a vegan lifestyle was all 
while traveling internationally. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And just like in different countries, trying to figure it out where yeah. most people eat meat. Yeah, You know, totally. And yeah, because I, I, I love vegetables a lot, um, but I still eat protein. Um, my body needs it. And I've been trying to find another source of protein because mm -hmm. I want to not eat so much meat. But I've, I've uh, gone to restaurants and been like, yeah, I want this salad, but no this. Or mm -hmm. I go and order pad thai. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, we put, and I'm like, no, no meat. Yeah. I just literally just, can you put broccoli and carrots in, please? Yeah. And they kind of look at me a little funny at first, but they end up doing it. Yeah. So usually I can get what I want, but it's sometimes it's tough. Yeah, in Southern California, we're so spoiled here. I mean, yes. you know, the the acceptance and, and knowledge base of this kind of lifestyle around where we live mm -hmm. just makes it so much easier. So, doing it while I was traveling, um, you know, a little more difficult figuring it out, and then get home, and it's like much easier. Right. Um, but actually, to elaborate on that a little bit, this is a, a recent thought that I became mindful of uh, okay. very recently <laughs> as I was kind of just thinking about this. I think traveling while making that transition actually made it easier for me because okay. I didn't have any habits. When you're at home, you go to the grocery store, you buy the same types of things, you go to the same types of restaurants, you're in your routine and you have these habits. When you're traveling, everything is different than right. it is at home. Uh, so your normal lifestyle doesn't exist anymore. Right. So for me, I went from you know my norm to something totally out of the norm. And I think being out of my comfort zone and having to make that change it just made that transition easier for me, I think. It's perfect for my next question because, so you're talking about habits and being away and now coming back. So coming back, how has your life changed since being vegan? Um, probably biggest change is people ask me where I get my protein. <laughs> okay, because that was going to be my, one of my questions. <laughs> of course. Um, so to, to uh, sidetrack a little bit, I get my protein from plants. Okay. You know, vegetables all have protein, uh, you right. know. Grains have protein, beans have protein, nuts have protein. Um, because, uh, you know, I do train and, and I kind of consider myself a bit of an athlete, you know, um, I like to intake a little bit more protein than, say, the average person might need. Mm -hmm. um, so to, to ramp that up, more nuts and seeds. Um, I do put tofu in a lot of my meals. Okay. Um, and I do take protein supplements also, mostly uh, pea protein blends, like in a powder okay. form. Okay. Um, anyways, back to the question, though. Uh, what was the question? I, I sidetracked on the protein <laughs> thing. Oh, how, how has your how life, life changed? changed? Yeah. Um, hmm, great question. Um, I mean, it, it's changed a lot just because it is a lifestyle. You mm -hmm. know, it's not just your food. Like you eat food three times a day or more, right. I mean, a lot more usually. Right. Um, and it, I and eat five times a day, tiny meals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I was on that, that kind of plan for a while too and kind of just snack here and there now. Um, yeah. But yeah, because it encompasses your whole life, everything changes. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's it's hard to answer in, in a, a short little quip of how my life has changed. But um, you have to plan a lot more, you know. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going somewhere like coming here today, you know, I, I know that I'm not going to stop at McDonald's on the way home. Yay. So I've got my lunchbox <laughs> in the car with an ice pack, and I've got my pre-made meal in right. there ready for me to eat on the way home. Yeah, good. Um, you know, when I travel. Um, you know, before I go to the, wherever city I might be going to, I, I look up on, you know, there's an app that I use called Happy Cow or a website, happycow.net, that's kind of a, a veggie food finder. Okay. So I look ahead of time, you know, so that's planning it. Everything just requires a little more forethought yeah. because the foods that I want to eat to fuel my body and, and to make me feel good the way I want to feel are not necessarily readily available mm -hmm. as, you know, whatever chain might be on the corner. Yep.
Yeah, it's absolutely right. And and you talked about you tried this way that I eat. So I do trophology, or mm -hmm. it's called, um, I think the um, kind of hip term now is food combining. So it's basically how you combine foods. And so I eat about five times a day because mm -hmm. I get hungry because my body, my metabolism's faster and my mm -hmm. body's kind of burning the food faster. And so I do the same, like I have to carry a snack bag. Yep. And, and it has to be foods that make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I carry vegetables. You know, I'll cut cucumbers and carrots or um, I know uh, some people right now are like, no celery, don't eat celery, mm -hmm. there's something wrong with it. Um, so it used to be celery. I like beets, mm -hmm. um, fresh beets, yeah. so I eat beets. Um, but yeah, you, you have to change yeah. your life. You have to change what you're doing. Um, and then the old habits, kind of fade and then the new habits take their place yeah. but it takes mindfulness yeah it takes a lot of yeah. really thoughtful um how am i going to do this and feel good about it mm -hmm. kind of stuff because if you don't feel good about it you have a tendency to go back yeah yeah um and just to kind of go back to the beginning of the question you know how has your life changed a couple of very short things um Maybe TMI, sorry if it's TMI. <laughs> um, I became very regular um, and I used to burp a lot and okay. now I fart a lot. <laughs> so again, okay. sorry if it's TMI, um, but, but it's true. Um, you know, the, the types of food that you put in your body affects what comes it out does. of your body and it, it affects a lot of things inside your body. Um, so that was, you know, some kind of relatively immediate, uh, you know, yeah. biological, I guess you'd call them changes right. that I saw. You know, I didn't change to be vegan because I had you know, gut issues. My wife, on the other hand, she was sick. You know, she was bedridden for days at a time. Oh, wow. And it was, she didn't know what else to do. She went vegan and has been healthy ever since. Oh, my God. So there's, you know, I have another friend um, that I, I talked to who's vegan. He had a lot of back problems, tried everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that worked was changing to a plant-based lifestyle. His mm -hmm. back is healed, you know. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people kind of have, you know, a health type reason or a specific reason for their change yeah. um, where I didn't necessarily have that to begin with. Well, there's definitely, you know, I, I have some issues with red meat, um, but I have since I've been a kid and I'm allergic to lamb. Mm. So most of my protein is um, chicken or fish. And then I love buffalo, mm -hmm. but I'm part Native American. <laughs> so maybe one has to do with the other. I don't know. But but that's really like the if it, I eat red meat mm -hmm. and it's so infrequently, but my body will tell me when I'm craving mm -hmm. when it needs protein, because all of a sudden I'll, I'll be like, I need a hamburger, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to eat cow, right. so to speak. So I'll try to find, um, or I'll increase my nuts or eat a piece of fish or yeah. something. That's when my body's like, you need protein right now. Cause I will eat just plants. I mm -hmm. just love vegetables yeah. so and, and grains. Yeah. And another thing on, on eating the plants and vegetables and stuff, I've changed um, what I enjoy eating, mm -hmm. you know, before I went vegan, <laughs> I didn't eat tomatoes, I didn't eat mushrooms, I didn't eat bell peppers. There's like a tons of foods that I didn't really eat right? because I was still like mentally, even though I was 30 years old, I was mentally in this like yummy phase like you are when you're a kid or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it was. And, you know, when I made the switch, I was like, well, if this is what I'm doing, I guess I got to start eating this. I, I remember having this thought in my head of like, I'm going to Subway. I guess I'm getting all the veggies on bread that I normally wouldn't mm -hmm. get on top of my meat, you know? Yeah, that's what I and, do. And now, you know, I love bell peppers, mm -hmm. I love onions, I love mushrooms, like all these things that I 
never really gave a, a solid shot. Yeah. I love them. So what has your health been like since becoming vegan? Has your body changed at all? So I've gone to a doctor a couple of times since going vegan to mm -hmm. get my blood work done just to reassure myself um, or confirm that I am healthy. You right. know, I'm not missing anything. And all the times I've done that, you know, my blood work is perfect. And, you know, my overweight doctor is like, wow, you're, you're great. These numbers are incredible, you know? Oh, wow, great. Um, there's, there's like one number in there that's like, uh, uh, what is it, HDL cholesterol that's low and uh, that's hereditary, you know? Okay. Uh, so health-wise, you know, on paper, doctors say I'm great, you know? Oh, that's great. Um, but, you know, I don't think I was necessarily unhealthy before I went vegan or anything, um, but also very shortly after going vegan, I also discovered CrossFit. Um, and I wasn't working out before, you know, I was an active person, but I wasn't, you know, in the gym lifting weights or doing any kind of metabolic training. Right. Um, so for me, it's hard to talk about, you know, how vegan changed my health because CrossFit came in and working out and training came in like right around the same time. Okay. Um, so I feel very healthy. I feel great. Um, you know, there's always improvements to be made. Right. Um, but I attribute it to not only the, the plant-based eating, but also, you know, being active and staying in the gym and things like that. Okay. So, so why CrossFit? Uh, great question. Um, so I grew up riding BMX bikes. Okay. Um, and a lot of the um, guys that I was looking at that were, you know, riding professionally at that time started doing CrossFit and they were getting better on their bikes. And it was at a time when I wanted to start doing something about my body. Okay. I, actually, I hadn't planned on telling this story, but I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> okay. So my fitness journey actually began um, with a little bit of running because I've always been a kid that takes my shirt off. I don't know if it was growing up in South Louisiana where it's hot. It's and hot. Or whatever. It's hot. But I, I just, I, I don't like having a shirt on, you know? Right. So I'm out there riding my bike with one of my good friends. I take my shirt off. No big deal. A couple of days later, I'm hanging out with his cousin and his cousin's like, yeah, Daniel said you got fat. And I'm like, oh my God, he saw me with my shirt off a couple of days ago. And you know, I've never been a big guy, but like I knew that he saw like my body had changed. I had got a little belly or whatever, you know. <laughs> right. And we were eating frozen yogurt at the time from you know one of the froyo places. And I looked down at my unfinished yogurt, and I walked to the trash, and I threw it in the trash, and I'm like, tomorrow I'm running. And that was all it took. It took one person that I consider a close friend oh to mention to somebody else that he saw, you know, that I was getting a little belly or whatever. I don't know what what he said even. Um, but the next morning, I ran a mile for the first time in my life. Wow. And I started running on a regular basis up to, you know, five, six miles a day. Okay. But then I got bored. Oh, okay. And so I was like, okay, what are other people doing? And I thought that going into a gym and doing three sets of 10 bench press or whatever that my dad taught me when I was 16, I thought that that would get boring. Okay. Um, and so people were talking about CrossFit, and it seemed fun. Um, and so the original thought was that, you know, I would do something to keep me active, um, you know, get rid of my my belly or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, but I also wanted something that would get me better on my bike. I thought I could, you know, ride longer without getting tired. Or I, I thought if I crashed, I wouldn't get hurt as much or whatever. Um, but what happened was that I ended up loving CrossFit so much that after a couple months, my brain flip-flopped okay. instead of BMX on top and CrossFit here, it flip-flopped like this. And now I was like, well, if I go ride my bike and I crash and I get hurt, then I can't go to the gym and do CrossFit. Right, right. And wow. so I just completely fell in love with it. And, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid, as they say. And now I'm one of those people that they make memes about on Facebook of vegan CrossFitter that talks about it all the time. <laughs> and I'm completely obsessed, you know. That's so funny. Have you noticed any changes in the way you work out yeah. since becoming a vegan? I, I was vegan right before I started CrossFit. And before that, I didn't really work out at all. Um, so yes, I was active. I rode my bike a lot. Um, but like I said, I, I didn't like lift weights or anything. So all that was like super new to me to 
actually be in a gym with, you know, the group atmosphere. Right. Um, but being in a group was a completely different change too because BMX is such an individual thing and it's, you know, you ride with your friends, but, you know, it's not super competitive unless, you know, you're going to X Games or, or racing or something. So the type of, you know, BMX lifestyle that I lived was very independent kind of thing. And now CrossFit has some similarities in that, like, you know, you're pushing yourself, mm -hmm. but there's this competitive aspect that I love that I didn't realize that I was kind of missing, you know? Okay. Because in the gym, I can compete with people of, you know, can I get a higher score than them? Can I get a faster time with them or, or things like that? And I think that, that competitive drive really, really pushes me. Question, how old were you when you started BMX racing? Um, ooh, I, I must have been in like first grade. Actually, I never thought about this until you just asked me this question, but it also started from watching a movie. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> so when I was probably in about first grade, um, my dad rented a VHS tape from the local video store. Okay. And it was called Rad, R-A-D. Okay. It's uh, an, an 80s cult classic at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah, it, it is. You know, about the underdog that, you know, wins BMX race or whatever, and there's a love story twisted in. But just the intro scene to that movie, the, the, you know, the opening title sequence of these guys just rolling around and doing tricks and stuff, I think that intro scene is what hooked me. Yeah. And so I was in first grade and I just wanted to be like the, the tricks that I saw in this video. Um, so that was kind of when I, I tell people I kind of fell in love with it. Um, but it wasn't until I was probably in, I don't know, seventh grade or something that I met other people in the neighborhood mm -hmm. that also liked to ride BMX. And they started making little dirt jumps, you know, and they were catching air and, you know, jumping over things. And then oh, wow. shortly after that, you know, we started realizing that there's, there's a magazine dedicated to BMX and there's videos that you can buy that, oh, wow. you know, show professionals and, right. and what they do. And so I started to discover kind of, you know, the whole lifestyle and the culture behind BMX, not just me as a kid riding around on my, my little huffy in the neighborhood, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so in ninth grade, I was, you know, relatively serious about it. I started racing in sanctioned races. That only lasted about a year um, because my friends that did it stopped racing. And so I just kind of wanted to follow what my friends did. Right. You know, so I went from racing on a track um, to street riding, which is, you know, jumping down stairs and grinding handrails and things like that. Um, and then carried it on throughout my whole life. It's amazing how your life has transitioned from one thing to another thing to another thing. And I feel as though you really have passion yeah. for the things that you're doing, which is super healthy. Yeah, a, a really close friend of mine, probably someone who knows me just about better than anybody in the world, a good, good buddy named Lindsay, um, she helped point out this to me and be mindful of this in myself. I'm an all or nothing person. Okay. So when I was in first grade and decided I love BMX, BMX was my one focus my entire life and I made it my career. You know, okay. when I, you know, I, I was still doing BMX at the time, but when I decided to make a lifestyle change and, and go vegan, mm -hmm. I even talked to somebody like, ironically enough, on the, uh, in the airport, about to catch that flight to Australia where okay. I made that decision, I bumped into a guy that I knew and told him like, man, I watched this video last night. It's got me thinking, you know? And he's like, yeah, I kind of consider myself a vegan, but at the same time, like, if I'm at a birthday party, I'm not gonna be the weirdo in the corner that doesn't eat the cake. Yeah. And I was like, that's a cool way to look at it. Like, maybe I could be like that. But no, I was all <laughs> or nothing. Like, I didn't do the, the three month transition. I didn't like phase out cheese and then milk and then this. It was right off the bat, you right. know? When I decided to, you know, start working out, it wasn't like, you know, gradually, you know, building up to it. It was like, I'm getting in there doing CrossFit five days a week, you know? Right. Um, so that, that passion they describe, I think, is just wired into my DNA. I don't think it's something that, you know, 
I, I learned over time. I think it's built into my system, and mm -hmm. that's just how I am, for better or for worse, you know? Yeah. I, I think it does have its downfalls, yeah. um, but I, I think that's just how I am. Well, I think that you're right. Some people are actually wired uh, certain ways. Mm -hmm. I call them chips. Um, because everybody talks technology and computers and yeah. so on and so forth. So now I call everything chips. So it's like I have a big compassion chip. I have mm. a very small patience chip. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so I have a big kindness chip. Um, I don't have a, a judgment chip, mm. uh, nor do I have a jealousy chip. Those mm. are not part of my CPU, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. I know... Um, my daughter-in-law, Sophia, is laughing at me right now because she's a big techie and she's like, yeah, she's trying to catch the lingo. <laughs> uh, or, wow, she's a dinosaur and using <laughs> dinosaur lingo. <laughs> I like that. I've never heard it put like that, but I, I yeah. like that. Well, we're all programmed. Yeah. You know, we're either, we're either programmed, well, we are programmed from birth, but then we also have uh, parental units trying to insert chips into us. Yeah. So we have peers trying to insert chips into us, spouses, yep. um, co-workers, bosses, trying to... So, so you have to figure out really what your chips are, mm -hmm. what your core is, your chips, and your core is passion. Yeah. You are that all or nothing person and mm -hmm. that's what works for you. Yeah. And the other thing that, from what I'm getting from you, is that you're not the... You don't have the um, peer pressure chip where no. you... <laughs> pressure your other friends to do exactly what you're doing. No, I, you know? I don't. Um, I've never drank alcohol in my life. I've wow. never tried a drug. I've never Good took a puff you. of a cigarette. So yeah. peer pressure is never an issue with me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. don't have that chip. I did actually um, because my stepfather used to smoke or, or was a big smoker. And so I wanted to know why he was always like, what was the pleasure in this Thing that always smelled so bad but mm. maybe that was something different on the other side right. of it so I actually tried to smoke I think I was 12 mm. I stole one of his cigarettes yes I stole <laughs> um, and went outside with two of my friends because we were all like yeah we're all gonna try it because my dad smokes too and my dad smokes uh -huh. too so so we all tried it and none of us none of the three of us from that day on ever smoked again wow. We were all like disgusted by yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was super little, you know, my my parents would let me taste whatever they were drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, so I had like a taste of a beer or wine cooler here and there when I was when I was young. You know, um, like family Christmas mm -hmm. parties, whatever. Um, but once you know we got to the age where kids at school and in the neighborhood were like mm -hmm. experimenting and trying this stuff, it just really never interested me. When I was in ninth grade. My friends introduced me to these hardcore straight edge bands, um, which, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the straight edge movement from back in the day, but uh, basically it's no drinking, no smoking, no drugs. Um, and I was like, well, I never really wanted to do that anyway. Like, this is cool. And it was, you know, just an impressionable 15 year old mm -hmm. kid. It was something I can get behind or whatever. Um, so I decided at that point in ninth grade, I kind of committed to my life that I was never going to do that. Um, and I don't necessarily hold on to that straight edge label necessarily to these days. Like if somebody else is straight edge, I'll say like, yeah, I am too. Um, but I don't necessarily feel the need to label myself okay. in that way. Um, but I am, you know, fully confident that I'll live out the rest of my life without ever drinking or smoking or any of that kind of stuff. Again, that all or nothing personality. You yeah. know? And maybe, uh, I don't know because I've never tried it, but it might be the case where if I did try it, I'd go 100% the other direction and become an addict or something, you know? I don't know if that's built in me. I don't know if I have that chip or not. Yeah. Um, but as it is, I'm just going to stay the other direction and just not do it, you know?
Well, I think I think that you're on the right the right path because you know they talk about you know drugs and alcohol and and kind of what it does to your body and and you know uh, toxins that go into your body and and the effects that it has. So you know, it's, it's drinking is right for some people because I have a friend who's like my grandma. She drank a glass of wine every night and yeah. she lived until she was 98 and it was fine for her. And I was like. We're powered to your grandma, yeah. you know? So, so you have to figure out what's right for you yeah. and, and what's right for you mentally, what keeps you healthy, yeah. what's right for your body, what keeps you healthy. We were talking earlier and, you know, I'm an athlete. I've had so many injuries over the course of my life. Um, and now as I'm getting older, uh, some of the, the things come back to haunt me a little bit here and there. But in practicing mindfulness, like I know that I have to now see a physical therapist every now and again and get a little tune-up. Um, I'm also, just like you, I go to my doctor and get my levels checked mm -hmm. and make sure kind of everything across the board is okay and still functioning. So it's really good to keep your body in the tune-up stage, yeah. kind of. Um, as you're doing your workouts and as you're living, yeah. you know, and traveling. So you... Uh, got married recently. You married the love of your life, and you got pregnant. Well, your wife got pregnant, not you, but your wife. And but you guys had already planned this three and a half month amazing world adventure, and then you decided to go on it anyway. You decided to keep your plan. So I'm going to ask you, with your wife pregnant, um, how did you did you guys practice mindfulness during your trip, and? If so, what mindfulness did you practice? Because a pregnant woman traveling, there's a lot to consider. There is. Um, so we had actually planned a six and a half month trip and then we found out she was pregnant and that's oh. when we cut it down to three and a half months. Oh, okay, okay. So we, uh, we did cut it back a little bit, but yeah, we traveled, um, we got married um, the day after, we got married in December, 2016. The next day we left and we traveled for three and a half months to Bali, Thailand, Vietnam, Italy, Poland, and then we stopped in Louisiana and New York to see both of our families wow. and have baby showers right, right. before we came back Yay. home. Good for you. Um, so it was a great time, uh, lots of good adventures. But yeah, she was pregnant the whole time. Uh, first pregnancy for both of us, a totally new experience. Mm -hmm. um, as far as being mindful, um, the one thing that really jumps out right off the bat was uh, we talked about that patience chip <laughs> that I don't have. It's not a small chip. It doesn't exist in me. It's non-existent. There's not even a slot for the chip, I don't think. <laughs> uh, I wish there was. Um, That's so funny. But uh, so one of the things on this trip that I kept saying to myself over and over, it's not about you anymore. Mm. And it was tough because when I've traveled in the past, I traveled alone. I've, mm -hmm. I've now, including this trip, I've hit 42 countries, I think it is. Wow. Amazing. Um, and it's always been, you know, big adventures like hiking and rock climbing and, you know, rappelling down waterfalls and whitewater rafting and diving with sharks, like all these cool things. And it's been me, 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 like how much cool stuff can I do while I'm gone, you know? Um, and traveling with someone is totally new, uh, you know, with a wife, yeah. that, that's a new addition. Like right. the, the dynamic between a friend traveling with versus a girlfriend and now a wife, that's all different. Right. And then a pregnancy, which is something different. <laughs> uh, that patience thing just really had to kick in. Um, and there were times when I wanted to go do stuff and, you know, we couldn't do it. And there were times when I was trying to hustle things along and couldn't hustle. Or 
you know, the fact that she gets bit by mosquitoes and I don't, and that's an issue, you know? And all these times when that patient's chip was just like, where are you? Where are you? (laughs) I just kept trying to say to myself over and over again, it's not about you. It's not about you. Right. And, And that's thing that I kept saying I'm not saying I did a great job of it all the time because <laughs> okay. it was tough well know? that's honesty yeah um but that, that's one thing I kept saying and and knowing that I'm not a patient person you know when we found out she was pregnant which was a big surprise obviously um that was one of the first thoughts I was like I'm way too selfish to have a kid like I'm not ready for this at all like I, I mentally I'm still thinking about myself you yeah. know like how can I possibly think about another person like this a, a child that I have to care for Um, and I felt like on that trip, you know, trying to overcome all those, you know, patience moments or lack thereof patience moments. Right. Um, I felt like, okay, this is testing me and this is trying to prepare me for having to focus on another human being, you know, and just kept saying, it's not about you anymore. Taking care of another little person is a lot of responsibility because literally that person can't do anything for itself. Yeah. Nothing. So, so how is fatherhood? Um, it's been a super easy transition. Two months now? Two months, yeah. We had our Yay, two month checkup yesterday. Thank you. Um, it's been a really easy transition. Okay. Um, I, I think that both of us being such laid back personality types, mm-hmm. um, not only did we insert that chip into her, but I think um, just our vibe and our energy around her kind of comes across, you know? Nice. Um, so, you know, the first night in the hospital, I woke up, you know, it's kind of in a frantic panic the first time I heard her cry because I didn't know what to do. Right. Um, but the second night, I slept through the night because, you know, my wife got up and, and fed the baby when she needed to be fed. And ever since then, I've slept through and, you know, my wife gets up and feeds her at night. Uh, a couple of times I've taken the night shift and, yeah. you know, bottle fed her with, with the breast milk, um, you know, and let my wife sleep through the night. Right. But the baby sleeps good. My wife gets up, you know, two, maybe three times at, at most. Two nights ago, she slept eight hours straight and wow. she only got up once. Wow. You know, so it's been really easy transition. Um, and, you know, the traveling and, and the whole months leading up to having a baby, all those little things prepare you for it. And I was like, I mean, up until the day the baby came, I was still like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> but, you know, there's that old, I think it's Martin Luther King quote of like, you don't need to see the top of the staircase. You just need to take the first step. Right. I'm butchering that. It might not even be who said it. But, um, you know, I, I've kind of come to accept that as as how this parenthood thing is you know I wasn't ready for it but throughout that you know eight month process after we found out that she was pregnant Mm -hmm. all these little things start to add up little by little right you know and when she's born she doesn't need very much the first couple days and you know she still doesn't need that much now two months but little by little all these little things start to add up and so it's not like somebody just hands you a two-year-old and is like all right you know, the kid's walking, needs food, needs, needs to be brought to this place and that place. It's like all these little things. Right. Uh, so it's been very smooth transition. It's nice to hear that you're taking fatherhood well. Yeah. You know, and do you think that eventually you'll grow a patience chip? I hope so. Oh, my gosh. I hope so. Um, I don't know, though. I hope. Um, again, my, my good buddy, Lindsay, who knows me very well, um, she did. She actually performed our wedding ceremony. Oh, nice. Um, I, I traveled a ton with her in the past. And like I said, we, we just have a really strong bond and connection. Um, before the wedding, she kind of did a little bit of like premarital counseling type things, you know, Good. for us to um, just talk through stuff and whatnot and, and for her to get to know us before she performed our ceremony. Uh, and patience is one of the things we talked about during that. And um, just trying to be mindful of like, okay, when I... When I feel that impatience thing kicking in or when I feel annoyed by certain things, like pay attention, like what is it that's 
triggering this? Like what's going on mm -hmm. in your life at this moment? External factors, like what's going on? And, and I, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to be mindful of it, but it's a slow process. You know, I'll be honest, it's, it's something that I still find myself like just being annoyed by things, you know? <laughs> like little things will set me off. And, you know, unfortunately my wife is the closest one to me at all given points. So right. she feels the brunt of it and I feel terrible. You know, she doesn't deserve that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. Well, eventually, again, you said before, like you're an all or nothing person. And I think this is, I think this is the universe kind of kicking in and saying, hey, fat, um, you need some patience. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how we're going to yeah. give it to you in and this little wife, bundle of joy. Watching my wife helps because she's super patient and she's so good with our baby. Um, so hopefully she'll rub off on me a little bit too. Yeah, sometimes that happens. It really does. And it's a beautiful thing to, to watch. And um, the, the key here is that you're mindful of it. Yeah. You, you know that that's kind of missing. Right. With me, it's my compassion chip. Mm. My compassion chip is too big. And so my friends and family have been uh, making me more aware of it because I thought kind of in the realm of what I do. No, you need a big compassion chip. You need to be able to understand people, to work with them, and so on and so forth. But I've learned that kind of my compassion chip has a tendency to kick me in the butt, mm -hmm. um, or I get kicked in the butt. So that's kind of my mindful thing that yeah. I have going on right now. So yours is patience, mine yeah. is compassion. And, and I, I know that mine's going to take time. And, and here's something that I've thought about and been mindful of. My life has changed a lot mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my timeline of where I am now, looking back. So my wife and I met, and one year later, uh, well, we met, and two months later, she moved in, which I'd never had that happen before. <laughs> okay. Um, a year after we met, on our one-year anniversary, of basically the day we met, um, we got engaged. Okay. Uh, we got married six months later, and then three months after that, or five months after that, we had a baby. Wow. So within a very short amount of time, a lot of really big life changes have happened. Right. Um, and I, I think... Like I was talking about with the baby, you have all these little baby steps that lead up to it. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I had all those baby steps to lead up to all these big life changes. I okay. think they happen so fast that it's taken time for my body to catch up. And and you don't make mental switches that quick that often. Maybe I, I do sometimes. You know, yeah. we discussed earlier, you know, going vegan or whatever. It's a quick mental shift. But, you know, to change how you, you know, your perspective on the world going from, a single guy to a married guy with a kid right. in such a short amount of time, like so many things happen. Right. Um, and I, I think part of that is like what's kind of, you know, built into this whole patience thing and me working on that. And I think it's going to take time. Okay. And okay. But you have time. Yeah. So, and you're mindful of it, which is, like I said before, it's the key. Yeah. It's really a key to making changes to things. Just like the vegan, you were mindful of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you went, okay, this is what I want to do, and I'm traveling, and it's kind of crazy, but this is what I want to do, and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. So it's beautiful. Um, what drove you to health and fitness, and, you know, how did that happen? I know that you said you were young when you decided you wanted to do BMX racing, mm -hmm. but then I, th I feel like your whole life has been kind of extreme sports mm -hmm. and health and fitness and vegan and... You know. Yeah, um, great question. It, it was definitely not planned. I mean, like I said, I fell in love with BMX and I was one track minded. And when I was so focused on BMX stuff, you know, health wasn't really a part of that. Okay. But it was a side effect of it. Okay. Um, because I was always on my bike and always on the go, 
um, you know, I think I, I just maintain a, a certain level of health. And I think I just got lucky and genetics plays into it also, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I think there's no denying that. Looking at my dad who's, you know, just turned 60 years old, we look almost identical, you know. Okay. Um, so I, I know that when I'm his age, I'm going to look like that. So I kind of feel like I have nothing to worry about, you know. <laughs> okay. um, so I think there's some of that built in. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it was just, again, part of my chip, you know. Part of my wiring was that I just like being active. Um, and once I stopped enjoying BMX as much and, mm -hmm. and kind of the passion started to dwindle, um, I needed to find another outlet for that activity, you know. Um, and like I said, I found CrossFit, fell in love with it. The, the drive or the, the competition kind of pushes me. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of similarities between BMX and CrossFit. Okay. In kind of how the activity is structured. Uh, for example, in BMX, you learn a trick, a basic trick. And now because you learn that trick, it opens the doors to another trick that you can learn. Mm -hmm. Or you can take that trick and do it bigger or hold it longer or do it over a bigger jump or over a bigger stair set or whatever. There's all these building blocks. So there's a progression that really drives a lot of people in that BMX sport. In CrossFit, it's very similar where you learn a skill and now you can do that skill faster mm -hmm. or you can do more reps of it in a shorter amount of time or you can do it with more weight on the bar. Um, or you do the same workout and repeat that workout and you realize that you got faster than the time before. So that progression really pushes me in CrossFit. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of similarities there. Um, but in BMX, you can get hurt. Yes. So if you crash, it hurts. Right. In CrossFit, sure, you can get injuries, but it's not every single time you go out and try something, there's the potential to crash, you know. Um, and that was a big thing that started shifting in my mind um, with BMX and was that I was getting older and I, I guess I was just scared of crashing, you know, okay. to be honest with you. Um, I didn't like the pain of when you fall. I didn't like how when you crash and, and get hurt, other parts of your life are taken away. Like now you can't go do X, Y, and Z or, you know, getting out of bed now hurts. Getting on the toilet hurts. You know what right. I mean? Like all these other side effects, like going to the doctor takes up time, takes up money. Right. Um, and as I was getting older, the desire to push myself and progress in BMX was non-existent, you know? Okay. Um, and so I wanted something that I could still progress at. And so CrossFit allowed me to, to do that. So I'm glad that you t you're talking about injuries right now because, Fat, one day when you were out riding, you actually had a bad accident and you actually fractured your skull. Hmm. Tell us how that happened. Yeah, so this was at a point in my life where I, I really was uh, focused on progressing. Mm -hmm. And I was out trying to film uh, video clips for a video that my friends and I were making. And anytime the camera's out and you're filming for something specific, you're always going to push yourself a little bit harder. Right. So this was my filming day. I, I basically had a trick list of like all these spots I wanted to go to, all these things I wanted to do. And all of them were things I'd never done and were going to be like pretty big deals for me. Right. The first two spots were a success, check mark, check mark, feeling great. The third spot... Um, we passed by my house, like from one spot to another. And I was like, maybe I should grab my helmet. And I was like, ah, no. Oh. So I get to the spot and, uh, it's a handrail, you know, grinding on your handrail. Um, this particular handrail was on my opposite side, which is basically like, you know, a pitcher in baseball throwing with his opposite hand. Right. So it makes it more difficult. Right? right. I had never done this type of, you know, opposite grind on a handrail before. And I was ready for it, you know? Uh, long story short, I was going a little bit too fast. It was a pretty small rail and I was going so fast that my front peg kind of overshot the rail and I was front end heavy, um, just basically hands still on the bars, face first into the concrete. 
Um, oh my god. I didn't go unconscious, um, but I was kind of kicking and squirming on the ground, and my friends were immediately like, we got to bring you to the hospital, you know? Right. Um, I had just been to the hospital like a couple months prior to that because I had uh, had to get stitches in my groin. I, I took a handlebar to my to my side. Okay. I had to get stitches, and I was like, no, I don't want to go to the hospital. And they're like, dude, you got to go. And I was like, all right, if they say I got to go, like I, right. I got to trust my friends in this one. Right. Um, so yeah, the diagnosis was a fractured skull. Um, there's a couple of different types of, of fractures, but mine was um, right in the front here. Mm -hmm. um, and because I guess there's you know a leakage or, or whatever, there's an opening there. Yeah. Um, there's like an air pocket in my head, and basically the the concern was that because there was air in there and because it, there could be leakage or whatever, that I could get I think they called it spinal meningitis or something. Mm -hmm. Long story short, the doctor was like, you could die. You right. know, it, it's pretty serious. Yes. So I was in the hospital for three days, um, being monitored constantly. Um, and yeah, uh, that, that's what happened. Oh my gosh. So, so how did you recover from that type of injury? Uh, well, uh, I was off the bike for about six months. And when I say off the bike, that means like no tricks, no, you know, jumping, no ramps, like, mm -hmm. you know, the type of riding that I was doing. Um, a couple months into it, you know, I started like pedaling to class. I, I lived on campus and I was going to college at the time. You know, I'd pedal to class, but I was so scared of like anything happening like I wouldn't even like jump up the curb which is basically you know for BMX rider that's just part of walking you know right, what I mean right uh, it's nothing and I would like get off my bike and step up the curb because I was so scared of, of doing anything right because at this point your head's or your skull is still fragile and if you hit it again bad news you know what right, I mean right right um, so from then on I always wore a helmet when I rode um, but, <clears throat> but really there's nothing you can do for a skull like you can't you know wrap it up you can't put a cast on like an arm so you just kind of have to wait it out you know Wow. Uh, which is a little scary because, again, if anything hits it, if you fall or, or whatever, then, again, pretty bad news. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so I had, you know, kind of scratches and scrapes and cuts on my face and, you know, on different parts of my body. Um, and those healed up. And um, thankfully, I don't really have any, you know, long-term effects from it, you know. If you look close, if, if I don't shave or if I shave, you can see a little scar on my lip or something. But um, I got very, very lucky. Yeah, you're right. There's very, well, I don't know how much you can do for a fracture skull, but I actually had a friend who actually had a hairline fracture um, just from hitting their head, mm. not even from the serious crash that you had. Um, and it took, I think she said something like a year for her face to stop hurting. Mm. Um, and, and she had to keep going back to the doctor uh, to get checkups and get the MRI and see kind of where she was at yeah. periodically. How are you doing today and how's your health? Yeah, doing great. Uh, like I said, from the, the crash, there was no side effects um, ongoing or long-term or anything. I, for the first couple of years, I always had this fear that like I had mentally changed or like I had some kind of like different personality thing and didn't know it and nobody would tell me. <laughs> you know? okay. It was like this weird thing okay. that I just put in my own head of like, maybe I am different and nobody's telling me that I'm like a little bit off, you know? Okay. Uh, but no, none of that. Um, and now, like I said, doing great, you know, been uh, eating plant-based and, and living a vegan lifestyle for about four and a half years. Um, been doing CrossFit almost about the same amount of time right. and uh, feel great. Well, you're in excellent shape. Again, we have some photos of of how great of shape you're in. So I think that, you know, for you, what you said about meat's not the only way to get protein. There's protein in different vegetables um, that you can get and stay super healthy. Uh, again, some people have to figure it out for their own bodies uh, and be mindful of what your body's telling you when you're eating certain foods. Mm -hmm. I know I have a lot of allergies, so for me it's a little, kind of more difficult, mm -hmm. um, I should say, 
because uh, there are a lot of things that I can't eat because of allergies. Mm -hmm. I feel like though sometimes if I just went strictly plant, maybe some of those allergies would go away. Um, I haven't tried it yet, so maybe that's something that I need to try. So I think everybody has to like figure it out for themselves with how, how their body feels when they're eating different foods. I know for me, I don't, my body doesn't really like red meat mm. other than buffalo. Mm. Um, and so I do like a lot of plants in my diet. Mm -hmm as well as chicken and fish. Although I feel like even with chicken, that's kind of being phased out and I'm going more towards fish. So at some point, maybe I will do an all plant-based diet um, once I can figure it out. Yeah. I think that might be better for me because I really do feel good. Mm -hmm. I just feel as though my body starts craving protein mm -hmm. at certain times and I don't eat beans. Oh. It's a trauma childhood. <laughs> bad stories. One of these days I will tell you guys what happened with the why I don't eat beans, but <laughs> we're going to save that one. I know from my car accident that I now, even being a runner the last 10 years, I have to go back to my PT, my physical therapist, every now and again. Did the doctors tell you that you're going to need checkups for the head injury? No, I, I don't know if it was, um, you know, just based on the injury itself or my age or, or whatever circumstances, or the fact that maybe I didn't listen or pay attention, okay. but they never said anything like that. And um, I mean, when I say I was one track mind about BMX, like all I cared about was like, when can I get back on my bike again? And even though I was scared in the beginning, like that's all I cared about was just riding again. Right. And so, you know, even if they had told me something, I don't know if I would have even listened to it because I was really young and right. all I cared about was riding, right. um, which is crazy because now that I'm older, I see guys, professional BMX riders that, that I know that get hurt and they have that same mindset of when can I get back on the bike? And me as an adult now with a wife and kid and everything and where I'm at mentally now, I'm just like, are you crazy? Like there's so much more yeah. to it than that. But to people that are into that, there isn't much more. It's, right. it's BMX 100%. And yeah. that's where I was at that time in my life. And that's really all I cared about. In the sports world, we're a lot of us are kind of like, I can do it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been kicked in martial arts. I've been kicked across the room, and instead of going, Oh my God, okay, is everything okay? I go, Oh, I can, yeah. you know, gotta get back in there, yeah. you know, or what? they're gonna think they're, the guys aren't gonna think I'm tough, you know, whatever, whatever was going through my head. Yeah, going back to this whole one track mind mindset. Mm -hmm. When I was coming back from my last checkup of, of my injury, of the head, skull fracture. My dad was driving me home and the doctor had just told me, you know, no BMX for six months. And my dad was like, how do you feel about that? And very nonchalantly, I was like, well, I'm not going to listen to him. I, I got to ride my bike. And to me, it was a no brainer of like six months doesn't mean anything. It's coming from a guy that's not me. Like right. I know when I can start riding my bike again. Right. And my dad freaked out because he's a rational adult right, that doesn't right. have this one-track mind about this stupid sport that <laughs> nobody else in the world cares about except me. <laughs> but here I am, this, you know, whatever I was, 19, 20-year-old kid, and that's all I wanted to do was right. ride my bike. And my dad pulled over the truck and we got into a big argument, you oh, know, wow. uh, before he even got me to the house of like, he's trying to, you know, drill in my head that like, that's not a proper way to think. And my head, my chip, my wiring was just like, no, that's how it is. Like, I got to get back on my bike. Like, six months, no way. Like, as soon as I can get back on, I'm on, you know? Right, right. And, and that's, how, that's how people are when they're, you know, so focused on their, their one thing. Um, luckily for me, 
um, you know, there wasn't any like injuries past that or whatever. Um, you know, I, I was safe about it. I took my time getting back on. But because I was so focused on BMX, not just riding, but just kind of the, the culture and industry as a whole, right. um, I attribute that kind of focused mindset to why I was able to get a, literally my dream job working for a BMX magazine and, you know, was able to bring my career to, to where it became. I think for me, you know, my mom was in the medical field. Uh, several members of my family were in the medical field. Growing up, that's kind of the conversations we had around the table. So for me, it's it's... I guess my evolution has been a little bit different. It's listen to the doctor, but I'm very not Western medicine. I think I'm very Eastern medicine. Mm -hmm. Western medicine sometimes when it's really drilled into me that I have to listen, and then I know I really have to listen. <laughs> it's like do or die kind of right. stuff. Um, but but I've a lot of my life tried to find the natural path to healing. Mm -hmm. So that's been a lot of my studies as well as studying what Western medicine and how does the body really function better? Mm -hmm. What routes does it function better? And what I learned is everybody's different. Yeah. We're all human. We all have, you know, this this DNA strand situation happening, but everybody's different and everybody's body reacts differently to different things. And so it's never, it's never, your healing is never one size fits all. I think that's why I'm asking you so many questions about your accidents. I hope you don't mind. No, not at all. Okay, because no. it's really interesting for me to how you dealt with it yeah. and how you healed yeah. afterwards. And it seems like you're fine. Yeah, I, I wish I had more elaborate answers for you, but honestly it was like, I was in the hospital for three days, I went home and after the you know blood dried up on my face and I could pick the scabs <laughs> off, I was the same. <laughs> You know, I mean, there was no healing process to, to talk about, so <laughs> okay. I wish I could give you more interesting tidbits from it, but, no, no, but there it's, is none. No, no, it's absolutely fine. It's been really wonderful having you on the show today, Fat. I'm so excited. I love hearing, you know, again, talking about your body and being vegan now and then moving from BMX to CrossFit, you know, but you're still an athlete even though you're vegan. A lot of people think that once you're vegan, you can't you know, your, your athletic prowess, so to speak, is going to diminish. And I don't believe that. I've never believed that. So good for you. you. Good for you. And um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I want to talk about what you're doing right now. Sure. Tell us what you're doing right now. Um, so currently, I'm a freelance photographer. Mm -hmm. I worked uh, for the BMX magazine for about five and a half years. And about six years ago, uh, six and a half, I left that to pursue a free and flexible lifestyle, as I call it. Okay. Um, you know, I was traveling the world, shooting photos and filming videos of professional BMX riders. And through that travel, I got a, a taste of what it was like kind of living vicariously through them um, of what it's like to not have a job because <laughs> I was out traveling the world, you know, shooting and stuff, which was great. But once I was done, I was back in the office and I was editing and, and you know, working on stuff and, and meetings and whatever like the corporate grind kind of thing right um, whereas these guys after they were done writing they just went home mm -hmm. um, so i wanted that and so i left the job to do freelance work um, did freelance work in the bmx world for a couple more years um, as i said the passion kind of dwindled and and eventually disappeared i guess started doing work in the crossfit industry same type of thing you know photos and videos a lot of content marketing stuff so you know a company that uh you know, sponsors a CrossFit athlete for a protein supplement. Mm -hmm. I can make a video for them that goes on their YouTube channel and things like that. Nice. Um, currently, I've uh, did a little more transitioning and I've started doing a lot more of architecture and real estate type photos and video work, wow. which is totally different. Um, but it, it's been a, a fun 
new challenge to learn a new style of shooting, learn a new style of editing. Um, and so my big client right now, um, I just recently signed on for a one-year contract with the company that manufactures bricks and tiles oh, wow. that you might have on the floor, driveway, or backsplash, or walls, or whatever. Oh, wow. uh, so I'm kind of their like in-house content creation guy, photos and videos. Nice. Um, but I'm still, you know, flexible. I, I can kind of set my own hours, can work at home most days, um, and I can still do all my other freelance work. Um, so they've given me this great opportunity for at least a year to have all my bills paid with, with a good base, you know, salary kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so if I want to work more, I can. If not, then I know that I'm set and I can still spend time with my family and be with my daughter during her first year and stuff. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Those years are important. Yeah. So it's nice that you are being mindful of yeah. that and being there for both your daughter and your wife because yeah. it's a lot of work. You know, having that free and flexible mobile lifestyle is really important to me. And you know, every year I write out a list of goals. And at the bottom of that list is also kind of my, my lifetime goals. Or, mm -hmm. And I have a kind of a, a paragraph or two of like, what a, a perfect balanced life looks like to me. And one of the first sentences talks about, you know, being free and flexible and, and not having, you know, that uh, nine to five or whatever type job. Right. Um, the client that I'm now working for, he saw a blog post a while back um, where I, I shared with the world what my goals were and he saw that that was important to me. And when I had the baby on the way, I started looking for full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. And he saw that I was looking for that and just sent out a message saying like, hey, I know that, you know, having a free lifestyle is important to you. Like, what do I have to do to help you with that? Oh, wow. And so, um, again, I'm not full time with him, but, you know, I'm on a contract that gives me a time frame of where I know I'm getting paid. Mm -hmm. um, and he was, you know, based on kind of how I put it out there to the world and being mindful of like what's important to me. He saw that and was like, hey, if that's important to you, like I want to help you achieve that. So. Um, yeah, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Thank you for joining us on the show today. This is Fat. He's had an amazing life, very interesting story. We were glad that you were here to share it with us. Um, keep being mindful in everything that you do and keep watching the show. We have more shows for you. We hope to see you back here. Have a great day.